You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast PXN, episode 73. I'm Shane, a.k.a. Rolo, joined today by Dan the Halo Man, Daniel Prindle. How are you doing today, Daniel? Just dandy. I am just ready to go, full of life for a row. I didn't just spend two days... <laughs> shoveling snow and my dog is clearly ready too with this squeaking toy very excited very excited um but yeah uh moving into the intro big thank you to everyone watching and listening live uh we record every wednesday at 8 p.m eastern time on youtube and on twitch so just search up podcast pxn uh on those both of those platforms and you will find us uh, the topic today is E3 2021 and how it may look this year with ESA uh, deciding to go forward with it. Before we get into the topic of the show, we always start the, the podcast with the PXN News of the Week. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. So this is a kind of a, an update to a story that released earlier this week that got a lot of fans excited. Uh, an unannounced Halo game is seemingly in development. Nope. No, it's not, unfortunately. Well, not a new one. There is a new one in development, but not another one. Not one added on to that. So basically, this comes from IGN. Uh, a job posting was posted on... Uh, uh, producer job posting was posted, uh, which has been advertised on Microsoft Careers website uh, since February 6th, reveals that Halo series developer 343 Industries is working on a new entry in the Halo franchise. Uh, but the community uh, director or community manager, John... Junishek, yes, thank you. Uh, was asked about was asked on Twitter about the job ad, ad in question, and he confirmed that the producer role is in fact for Halo Infinite. He says, "I did some digging and was able to confirm that this is a role for Halo Infinite." So, Daniel, yes, when this was first announced, what did were you excited? Did you think it was for something else, or were you like, "No, oh, this is probably for Halo Infinite"? What did you think when this was first announced? Yeah, uh, when this first started coming out, uh, I. I for a split second i kind of did get excited like maybe <laughs> maybe some halo wars 3 or maybe some other uh side project but uh the thing is is uh i believe it was last summer um they had something very similar happen where they had a job posting like this that said like a next gen halo game or whatever and people instantly thought it was a, a new game and they they confirmed back then it was just halo infinite that was all the job was so when I kind of thought about that through before John even stepped in, uh, I was like, okay, this is probably just for Halo Infinite and people are just, you know, taking this the wrong way yet again. But uh, I was still, you know, a little bit optimistic. Maybe <laughs> maybe it'll be true. And it did take uh, a little bit before yeah. um, John jumped in to say, oh, no, this isn't the case. Um, but, uh Yeah. Uh, eh, it is what it is. It's it's not surprising for Halo Wars three to not necessarily be in development because uh, Halo Wars two didn't really sell that well. Halo Wars one didn't really sell that well. Um, they're both really good games, and I definitely recommend them. If anyone loves RTSs that listens to this, and Roro, if you love RTSs, I definitely recommend them. But um, yeah, I'm. I, I don't know if we'll ever get a Halo Wars 3, unfortunately, but uh, I would love to see more games from Halo and kind of branch out into other spaces as well. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but to add on to this Halo story, which I don't have in here, but I feel like you'll be able to easily speak upon it, even though it's not in here. Mm -hmm. um, there was a little bit of a news 
announcement about Halo coming to other platforms besides Xbox and mm-hmm. Man. Where do you think that is? Do you think it's like just Epic Game Store? Yeah. Where do you think Halo might might also end up besides Xbox? Yeah. So uh, they were specifically talking about Master Chief Collection, and uh, in the, their most recent blog post for uh, the next update for Master Chief Collection, they they teased that you would be able to play in a new place or something like that, something to that effect. And a lot of people took it as being like a whole new platform, which it could be. Um, the to me, the only thing that that could mean is like Epic Game Store, for instance. Like that would be the only logical thing that I could think of that that it would go to. Um, yes, a Switch version that many people are talking about would be super cool, but that's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to. Yeah. They're not going to put Halo on any other platform because that's literally that's Xbox. Halo is Xbox. So that's going to be the one game that's going to be off limits from something like that happening. Um, And more more, I think more accurately what they were kind of teasing there since it was a blog post for the new update for MCC. I think they were actually teasing the custom game browser, which they've been talking about for a long time. And they actually have one in Halo 5, but they don't have it in MCC yet. And essentially what it does is it uh, allows you to search for custom games um, that the community have created um, that are like actively being played. So it's essentially matchmaking except for custom games. So you can find like cooler um, games. So that's kind of what people are thinking they're alluding to um, when they're saying play a new thing in a new place or whatever, that that's kind of what they're talking about. But I mean, we won't know for sure until uh, they kind of lift the, the lid on this. Um, I think they're supposed to have... Um, uh, insider uh, testing here in the next couple weeks, so we will probably find out about it then, um, whenever that comes out. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be as as big of a deal as I saw some of the news stories out there saying it was going to be a huge thing. It's like, eh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, as you said, we we shall see after all this uh, this testing happens. Um, it being on the switch would be insane, but I think you're right. It's probably a little bit more low key than than anything like that. Um, But moving on to the next story, WB Games patents the Nemesis system. So this has come out uh, on Saturday. I'm reading from Kotaku. After years of trying, WB Games has successfully patented Shadow of Modar's Nemesis system. After trying multiple times since 2015, WB Games has successfully secured a patent on the Nemesis system featured in Shadow of Mordor and its sequel, Shadow of War. The patent goes into effect later this month. Uh, the Nemesis system is first appeared in 2014's open world Stabathon Shadow of Mordor and would be expanded on greatly in 2017 sequel Shadow War. The Nemesis system uses randomly generated orcs to populate the world. Players then attack the orcs, sometimes killing them, taking control of them, or even losing to them. As these events happen, the orcs will react, become more powerful, gain new enemies, uh, gain new abilities, sorry, <laughs> and directly. Uh, and, di- and directly referencing past experiences with the player. It's a cool system, and soon only one publisher, WB Games, will have the ability to use it. So this came out, uh, like I said, on Saturday. A lot of people were upset about it. I did see some people saying, like, well, it's their thing, so why not do that? It's their creation. Yeah. Um, so I did see both sides of the arg- argument happening on Twitter and wherever there was other discourse. Um, 
But Daniel, where, where do you fall on, on what side of this do you fall on after hearing that Shadow Mordor has patented the Nemesis system? Yeah, I guess if you, my answer would be different, like my answer would be different after Shadow of Mordor than now, because after Shadow of Mordor, like everybody was so excited about it and like, man, this would be super cool in this and super cool in this and, and all of this, like just the the possibilities that that system could have done for other franchises people were so excited about but how many like it's been so many years now since shadow of mordor and i feel like we haven't even seen this done in any other franchise still like it's still something that only exists in the shadow of mordor and war games um which is very interesting to me because i think it is very cool how they kind of do that technology and I do wish more people would uh, use it. And obviously now they're going to be hampered by the ability to do that. But um, at the same time, like I said, I just nobody has used it up to this point. So I feel like it's not really necessarily going to have a huge effect on everybody else, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, I can see I can definitely see people's uh, both perspectives just because, you know, it is such a cool, cool thing. Um I don't know. Yeah, I I I'm on the side that it's. it's oh kinda... gosh, Roro! I just real. I'm sorry. I just interrupted no, you, but uh, I just realized I have Sean's name up on the oh. video instead <laughs> oh, of yours dude. because last week he was on. Whoops. That's uh, okay. I will fix that right now. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. No, I'm just. I was just gonna say that I'm on the side of of why why do this. I think it's kind of not a cool move to to hinder the create creativity of other developers because i feel like the video game space and the industry in itself always take so many ideas from each other obviously not stealing it outright but taking an idea and kind of improving upon it and i've seen a lot of people saying this and i think i share that sentiment is the, the hypocrisy of this <laughs> because i feel like shadow of mordor takes a lot of ideas from other games as yes. well and like can you imagine if those ideas were patented what mm -hmm. you would just have the nemesis system and no no game like yeah. that wouldn't be obviously fun to play so that's that's where i stand on it again I, I i also see the other side of the argument it is their creation but i feel like it's just yeah. such a such a bad move and a, yeah. a slippery slope if, if other places decide to to do stuff like this but i feel like the industry is so collaborative that doing something like this doesn't doesn't look good at all and if you remember like there were rumors uh for a while that they stole source code from assassin's creed yes, and that really? they had source code from those games in their game so that yeah. like even further makes your point of like hey you guys are already kind of borrowing some stuff here. Why don't you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree Not with you. Good. Not good. But yeah. <laughs> apparently, apparently you can still use an Nemesis system. You just have to strike a deal with them or face legal action or something. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so it's not completely off the table, but obviously it's going to cost you if you want to use the Nemesis system in your game. Uh, but moving on to the next story. Epic Games' new MetaHuman cr uh, creator helps devs create characters. Uh, this is coming from IGN. Matt uh, T.M. Kim writes, Epic Games has announced its newest tool to help game developers and creators realize their visions called MetaHuman Creator, a browser-based a browser app that lets developers create 3D characters and models 
far more quickly and easily than previously possible. You can check out the video uh, below. No, you can't. I just read that. <laughs> you can definitely go check it out uh, yourself, but right now you can't check it out. Obviously, I'm reading it. But anyways, <laughs> the uh, the uh, Mestilovok, uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but he works for IGN. He's one of the leaders on the project. He says, essentially, the, pro the product uh, that we're launching now is replacing hundreds of man days that we typically need to invest into building a single asset into a tool where people can do it themselves and literally within it and literally within minutes get results that we would otherwise work for months to achieve. So basically this is going to cut down a lot of time for developers and it can be used in TV and movies as well. It's not just limited to games. Yeah. But uh yeah, this this video came out earlier today of uh of a very uncanny valley <laughs> characters. The technology is definitely impressive. No doubt there like it, it looks insane. But there's definitely a level of, of creepiness that I, <laughs> I felt when, when watching the video. Um, but it is insane. Like, you're, there's a lot of pictures and and uh, of them going super close in on the face. And you can see, like, the pores of the lady's skin. Yeah. You see the strands of hair. Uh, there's an older uh, gentleman with the wrinkles and the skin sagging. It's, it's really impressive. And the fact that they could do all of this in such a short amount of time is, is obviously going to cut back um development time but also just so cool that it'll be accessible to everyday people as well yeah yeah i agree um i think this looks absolutely phenomenal like the detail it just looks so freaking real it's creepy like like you said uh but um i do have one concern about this and it's awesome that it's super easy to do this for developers and like it, it will help them improve their character models and such. But I do have one concern and that is if a lot of developers are utilizing this tool, is it going to make all of the characters look too samey? Um, because then you have, you know, 20 different games that use all of the same character models. And obviously they have a lot of options to tweak them, you know, one way or the other, but it's still coming out of the same thing, if that makes sense. And I feel like you get a certain uh, level of like, you get a certain touch, so to speak, when an artist goes in and actually touches it themselves and, and creates that from scratch. Whereas this, you're kind of uh, putting this piece here, this piece here, this piece here, etc. And it, I that's my only concern is that it will look samey across games that use the same uh, tool. Um, obviously that's kind of a, a minor thing. Uh, and if they have a ton of customization for it, maybe it won't be a problem. Um, and obviously maybe it won't be a problem as well as, uh, you still have games that have completely different art styles that wouldn't necessarily fit what this is doing. So, uh, it's not like every game is going to be hyper realistic that would utilize this anyways. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely get that concern uh, as well. I don't want everybody using this. Uh, I would when I whenever I see stuff like this, I I think it's awesome and exciting. But there's just something about it that kind of creeps me out, and I don't really <laughs> want games to ever look like real life. I love it when it has its own art style, even when it's going to when even when it is realistic. I still like to know that it's an animation, like Uncharted. It looks really good, but it isn't so realistic that it's like, oh, God, it's like 
creepy. it's too realistic like yeah. the last of us as well as an, another great example where it's it's beautiful it's gorgeous but the characters never look uncanny valley to me they just perfect nailed it yeah. but this is like getting in that territory where it's like oh man that's it's very close to <laughs> what i of someone that i just walked past on the street I, I i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> but um that Still, the technology, fantastic, amazing that we're making those strides. It's just, I agree, I don't want everything to, to look like this. Yep. But um, yeah, uh, moving on to the next story. The Callisto Protocol teams up with Walking Dead creators Skybound Entertainment. Um, Striking Distance Studios is teaming up uh, with Walking Dead creator uh, Robert Kirkman and his company Skybound Entertainment to expand the reach of the upcoming survival horror game, The Callisto Project. So without reading too much more into uh, the article, uh, it's basically really cool that they that they teamed up with this uh, company and to bring the Callisto project to more mediums besides video games. So you, we could see some Callisto project uh, comics or books mm-hmm. or TV shows. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, you actually brought that to my attention. I didn't have it in the story until you, you showed it to me. So I thought this was really cool. Um, of course, Daniel, I know... Uh, you were very excited when we watched the Game Awards and yes. this came up. So what what are your thoughts on on this? Yeah, uh, I think this would be super cool. And this is a really good fit, obviously, with Robert Kirkman, uh, Walking Dead fame. That's a really good fit in terms of transmedia. So you have TV shows, movies. Like, there's so many options. Comics, obviously, because Walking Dead started as a comic. Um so yeah, I, I would be down for this. Um, obviously, we still have to see like what Callisto Protocol ends up being. Like, it, it's got to be a good game too uh, at some point. So, um, but this is very cool. Uh, maybe they'll have stuff before the game is, is even out to like build up the world uh, to kind of lead us into that um, initial time that we see it. I think. I think it, yeah, it could be very interesting to see what they do with this, uh, especially in terms of like TV and movie kind of stuff. Because to be honest, I don't read a whole heck of a lot of <laughs> comics or anything like that, so um, I don't know that I would dive in too much into that. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, definitely, it's always cool to see uh, games branch out to different mediums, um, especially when they're good. <laughs> because they have done that in the past, but sometimes they're just really, really trash and should never do that. But I have some faith in in this for sure, especially it being a horror genre. It's nothing that those other mediums aren't familiar with, that they can't adapt easily, especially, as you said, with Robert Kirkman, great fit uh, to partner with. So I, I'm, I'm super excited for it as well. Um, moving on to the next story. This is coming from Bloomberg and Jason Schreier. Uh, it's Electronic Arts is going to decide the fate of Anthem this week, according to some reports. So Electronic Arts Inc. will hold a meeting this week to determine whether it will continue trying to create a new version of the failed online Anthem Anthem game, the, the failed <laughs> online game Anthem, according to three f- people familiar with the matter. Uh, so Anthem obviously launched, launched in uh, February 2019 to poor reviews in the following months. Bioware put together a small team to overhaul the game. Uh, executive producer Christian uh, Daly wrote three blog posts last year outlining some of the big cha- changes planned. But in December, Daly left Anthem and uh, as a part of Bioware's management shakeup, which left the project's fate in question. So apparently later this week, EA executives are going to review the latest version of Anthem next and decide whether to expand the team or abandon the project entirely. 
so yeah, Jason reported on this uh, earlier this week, I believe on, on Monday or February 8th. Yeah, Monday. So yeah, when I saw this news, I was kind of, I don't know how I felt. I wasn't shocked because <laughs> that's kind of how I thought things were going behind the scenes. Like, oh, they're going to pl- pull the plug any second now or we're about to see something and it's not going to be that great. Yeah. But um. Yeah, but just seeing it in written form and that they really are thinking about doing something with it, yeah. <laughs> whether it be shutting it down or bringing it out, it's just, it's interesting. It's finally, finally we're going to hear something about it, whether it be good news or bad news, we don't know yet. But uh, Daniel, what do you, do you think Anthem stands in second chance? What do you think about this this story? Man, I I don't know. I I, I go back and forth on this. I think that Anthem, I think we talked about this uh, a week or two ago or something like that, uh, where I feel like Anthem's in a weird position that no matter what they do at this point, I'm not sure that they can recover uh, a big player base in order to make it successful. Uh, and I think that's EA's main question right now. Like, is this worth us putting all of this money and development resources and all of this into something that may not even, you know, get a, a decent population out of it, even if it is really good? Um, I think that is definitely a major concern. Uh, I Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. I, obviously, this is not the same team that's making mass effect and dragon age this is the uh i believe austin team that they assigned to anthem it was originally edmonton uh that was making anthem but then they pushed it off to the uh the austin team or san antonio something like that some whatever the team is in austin in texas um but uh I, i think they pushed it on them so that edmonton could focus on mass effect and then the other team could focus on dragon age um, so I, I don't know how important it is for EA to continue it as sad as that is and how excited people were for this game, including you. I think you were yeah. pretty excited for it. Definitely. Especially being like a destiny yeah. person and leader shooters. I love them. So yeah, I was definitely excited for this game was very disappointing when it, when it came out, but the core gameplay of it I found was fun, but the content was just like, there was none of it. And there was a lot of UI stuff that I didn't like as well. Just like, the quality of life wasn't wasn't quite where I expected it to be, but um, sure. yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. Where I don't think EA sees uh, the the worth in this and keeping it going, um, even if they do decide to go through with it. Again, like you were saying, who's to say who's going to jump back on this? I feel like so many people have traded traded in their copies of Anthem, yeah. and people who still are holding on to Anthem may not even decide to come back unless it's something crazy which i i doubt but yeah i i don't i don't know where this is gonna go my assumption is that it's it's over for for anthem and in three years jason is going to do another report about what anthem was going to be and then we're going to get mad at ea for shutting it down (laughs) yeah we'll yeah we'll we'll see how how it goes but um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that it it may be the end, and hopefully we'll we'll find out soon. We have two more days in the work week, but I guess we have until Sunday to to technically find out what uh, what the end result will be. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to the next story, Cyber CD Projekt Red got hacked? Question <laughs> mark. This is coming from CD Projekt Red's Twitter account, uh, and they write: Yesterday, we discovered that we have uh, become victim to a 
of a targeted cyber attack due to which some of our internal systems have been compromised. An unidentified actor gained unauthorized access to our internal network, collected certain data belonging to CD Projekt Red Capital Group, and left a ransom note. So uh, this person or entity or peoples decided to hack into CD Projekt Red. Um, uh, I'm guessing before February 9th, which is when they posted this, and they left a little note, and this is what they said. Hello, CD Projekt Red. Proceeded and followed by an obscene amount of exclamation points. <laughs> uh, you have been epically pwned. We have dumped full copies of the source codes of your performance service, uh, perform, performance service, sorry, for CD Projekt, or for Cyberpunk 2077. I always mix them up. When I see CD Projekt Red, <laughs> I'm about to say Cyberpunk. When I see Cyberpunk 2077, I'm about to say CD Projekt Red. I don't know why. That's just how my brain works, I guess. Yeah. Anyways, uh, from your performance server for Cyberpunk 2077, Witcher 3, Gwent, and the unreleased version of Witcher 3. We have also dumped all your documents relating to accounting, administration, legal, human resources, investor relations, and more. Also, we have encrypted all of your servers, but we understand that you can most likely recover from backups. If we will, if we will not come to an agreement, then your source codes will be sold or leaked online and your documents will be sent to our contacts in gaming journalism. Your public image will go down the S-H-I-T-T-E-R even <laughs> more and people will be will see how your S-H-I-T-T-Y, your company functions. Investors will lose trust in your company and the stock will dive even lower. You have 48 hours to contact us. And obviously CD Projekt Red mentioned that they do not... <laughs> do not negotiate with uh, hackers. So we, we don't know what the outcome of, of uh, the situation was, but obviously CD Projekt Red still can't catch a break. Yeah. Um, what, did, what did you think about this whole shenanigans? Yeah, it's uh, it sucks. It's, <laughs> it's something that's, uh, it actually hits pretty close to home because it's something that me and my coworkers like worry about all the time because I, I work in IT and uh, it's something you have to be, you know, concerned about working in that field is people trying to penetrate your network in order to, you know, get data from you or, or compromise your data in order to pay, make you pay a ransom um, for the data. It's very scary stuff. Um, so it's definitely I hate to see stuff like this because it just uh, it's not good. Um and obviously they're going to be fine because they have backups and stuff that they can pull from and, and they'll be able to clean that up. But it's just, it's so crappy. I don't know. I, if you ever are out there thinking about hacking into a company, don't do it. Like this <laughs> is no, uh, there's no benefit to that. It's you're leaking like HR documents out there as well. Like you have people's personal information on there. You have people's, uh you know livelihoods on there like don't yeah. don't do that it's just yeah. you're, you're never hurting the person that you think you're right you're trying to get at you're always getting the, the middle person the person that's stuck in the middle which is not fair to, to anyone right yeah you're trying to get back at a company but you're hurting the people that work for the company is not not going to get anybody anywhere so yeah totally agree don't don't hack companies please yes <laughs> please don't do that. yeah um but yeah, anything else to, to add to to that one? No, I think that I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, <laughs> I still can't believe Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven isn't back on the PSN store though. Mm. Like I was looking into that, like is that yeah. back up yet? Like no, not 
not yet. I, I understand yeah. it's only been three months, but still. They had their two updates, uh, yeah. and they still don't. They're not on there. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully, they'll catch a break soon, mm. and everything will be okay for them. Yeah. <laughs> because it's starting to look very, very dire over there now. Yeah. But um, moving on to our next story from GameIndustry.biz, PS5's DualSense controller also faces drift issues. This is coming from, as I said, GameIndustry.biz, Marie uh, Delisandri. Delisandri. Oh, there we go. I think I nailed it. Nice. <laughs> PlayStation 5's controller, the DualSense, is allegedly suffering from the same drift issues that have been widely reported in the Nintendo Switch Joy-Con. Oh. Players reported stick uh, drift issues online as early as 10 days after their purchase of Sony's console, Kotaku reported. The issues see, the issue sees DualSense controller registering movement even when it's not being used, which can uh, be seen in this video. No, you can't see it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's a video of a, of a Destiny player on Reddit. The character, he's holding up the controller, I'm assuming, and the character is moving on its own. And he's obviously not moving the character. So that is that is definitely sounding like Joy-Con drift for an in, the, the Nintendo Switch. I don't know why Sony decided to pick up that uh, <laughs> that feature because it's not something that we, we wanted. No. But uh, yeah, it's something that uh, is plaguing the PS4 as well. And that sucks with, with all the intricate haptic feedbacks that's going on inside of the uh, the controller. That there's a seems to be a problem with uh, some inner workings there. So that that kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's an interesting thing too like uh, stick drift eventually over time controllers yeah. will get stick drift. Uh you know, a year from now, 2 years from now, you might have an old controller that it, it will drift because obviously wear and tear. Um but yes, uh this soon after launch, not a, not a good sign. I didn't even know about this until you had it in the stories. I didn't see it or anything and uh it might- Sorry, go ahead. No, oh, you're you're good. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, I haven't experienced this myself personally yet. Um, I, ha- I obviously don't play my PS5 as much as I play my Series X, so I don't have as many hours. I I've only played Miles Morales and um, Astro Astro's Playroom. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe I'm just not playing enough to actually see that happen. Um, but hopefully this isn't super widespread like the Joy Cons. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna gonna say. It might not be like a huge issue as much as the Joy Cons are. Maybe it's just a couple of people who have reported it. Yeah. And hopefully that is that is the case. But yeah, it does suck that it's happening so soon after people getting hands on the on the system. And those hopefully, control- yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say hopefully Sony could uh can rectify it. And those controllers are not cheap. Those controllers yeah. are seventy dollars now. Sony Sony's is uh, so like that's a lot of money to to drop for it to you know four months later. It's having stick drift issues. That's not good. Yeah, and and, and same with the Joy Cons. I'm, I'm trying to search it up here yeah. how much they they cost. Yeah, for two of them it costs a hundred dollars in Canada. So I'm like, <laughs> wow. when those things start breaking, yeah. you just you you start breaking. You start yeah. breaking down and. and crying and it's not pretty yeah but um yeah i i i obviously had some drift drift issues with my with my switch as well so hopefully when i get my ps4 those days will be not my ps4 my ps5 those days will be behind me and there'll be no drift issues fingers crossed yeah (laughs) (laughs) um moving on to the next story ubisoft moving away from reliance on triple a releases 
Um, this is coming from IGN, Rebecca Valentine, who is a new hire over there. She moved over from GameIndustry.biz, which is super cool. Um, Ubisoft doesn't want to to be as reliant on AAA game releases as it has in the past, and will instead look more closely at free-to-play games and its back catalog to make money. In an earnings call uh, today, which was February 9th, the company's Q3 financial results, uh, the publisher said that its plans for physical 2022 include three AAA game releases, but that in the future, Ubisoft didn't want AAA games to be a focus of its business model. And um, yeah, that that's an interesting takeaway that they're looking to, more towards the free-to-play market and their backlog of, of games. I'm not sure what backlog of, of games means, whether it be... <laughs> Remaster? Uh, or... I guess, yeah. I yeah I'm not sure but this this I I want to couple with uh, the Ubisoft is planning to release more division content later this year and the year after and it's coming from the same studio that's working on the Star Wars game but uh and Giz- and uh, and the uh what you call it game oh shoot the Avatar game right right yeah like they, we haven't and- heard about that <laughs> <laughs> Ubisoft CEO Yves Gilmon uh insists that they are large enough to be working on all of these games and this is what he says we are happy to be partnering with Lucasfilm Games the project will be headed by our massive studio um who will make the most of their cutting edge technology including the snowdrop engine to deliver a groundbreaking star wars uh, adventure we're very proud of the collaboration uh, the massive studio is a large studio it's massive and they are also collaborating with lots of studios all over the world you're going to see more division in this year and the year after so yeah that's fantastic they are working on more division 2 stuff which i did not see coming i didn't think that they would continue to support it which great i'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are excited for more division stuff but yeah what do you think about them going back to going to free-to-play games like hyper escape was one of their most recent stuff and i don't think that's due for them right now yeah no uh hyperscape i think they're kind of pulling an anthem with hyperscape Mm -hmm. they're like redoing a bunch of stuff with it from what i've heard um because i think it was just like a early preview or beta or whatever and then now it's not even available anymore um until it comes out i guess um but yeah it's it's very interesting that they're talking about free to play and back catalog only or not only but focusing on that uh because like you said what does that mean for their back catalog stuff like are you just going to release a remaster or or a uh, port of your old games or does this mean more like resident evil 2 style games where you have the upgraded textures upgraded everything uh essentially a game built from the ground up uh as a remaster or a remake not a remaster um and I think that would be very interesting if they start grabbing stuff that people want, like Splinter Cell, Roro. <laughs> We've been asking for Splinter Cell for so many years. <laughs> Give it to us, Ubisoft. Uh, <laughs> Ryan McCaffrey did say that uh, if they remade Chaos Theory, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, he'd be super excited about that, and I would be as well. Like that, I just... Yeah, if if it means that we're going to get fantastic remakes, I'm fine with it, but I don't want to see them just say, "Oh, here we go. Here's a port of, you know, mm-hmm. P- Prince of Persia for instance, right. which which the new Prince of Persia re- remake just got delayed because 
it literally didn't look like a remake. They called it a remake, and it didn't look like a remake. It looked like barely a remaster, if that. And I was, ugh. Yeah. But I... Would would a Resident Evil 2 remake, would that not be considered a triple A game? Yeah. Like the remake, yeah. That's so confusing, right? Like, it should be. Uh, So, yeah, like, what do they mean by that? I, uh, the only thing that I can think of is like ex- games that are already out, like The Division, yeah. like Rainbow Six and Tom Clancy's mm. and stuff like that. Is that what they mean by backlog, On- where they just keep updating these things? Yeah, that could but be. But I feel like that's a different word than you use ongoing games instead of that's that. true. So I think that's only time will tell. <laughs> I don't think Ubisoft knows what they're doing. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, yeah, let's just do this. We'll put this out. They won't know yeah. what we're talking about, and we don't. Yeah. We don't. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that front. Hopefully Ubisoft knows what they're doing because yeah. we do not. No. Um, but but good luck to them in whatever is is next. Um, but moving on to our next story, Nebelian is going to wrap us up here with our final stories. Uh, Nebelian on Twitter always has some really cool tidbits around the mm. video game industry. And he's going to tell us today about the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 Um movie has been announced uh, well it, it was it has been announced before that but it got a nice little trailer with its logo and and its release date so it's coming april 8th 2022 and the uh, sonic the hedgehog came on screen and accompanied with the emerald uh hill remake so fantastic music fantastic sonic music was accompanying the logo and the two came out and it had obviously some uh some tales Tales as tales on the end of uh, of the two there. So I'm super pumped for this when it comes out. I really enjoyed the first one. It was very fun. Huge Sonic fan as well. So super excited for when this comes out next year. How about you, Daniel? Yes. Uh, and I was in the camp of people with pitchforks when they first showed the the images <laughs> of the oh original. God. Oh, it so looks bad. so bad. It, it looked like he was wearing a costume. and oh, it, it was, was gross. Yeah, it was gross. <laughs> so thankfully, they went back and fixed that. And I absolutely, like you, I really loved the movie. I thought it was really good. Uh, Jim Carrey, perfect for that role. Really good. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm very excited for the sequel and see Tails team up with Sonic. And then maybe at the end of this movie, we'll see, uh, Knuckles show up, you oh, know? God. I hope so. I hope we'll, we'll see some other, uh, Sonic characters like Amy and, and like yeah. you said, Knuckles, that would be awesome for them to, to show up. And if this continues, like bring out some, some other characters that people don't know about, like Tails is one of my favorite Sonic characters, but yeah. I think a lot of people know about Charmy the Bee, but not everyone knows about Charmy the Bee. He's oh. kind of annoying, but I, I love him. I love Charmy the Bee. He's from <laughs> Sonic Heroes, I believe. Oh. That's where I was introduced to him, but he's one of my favorite uh, Sonic characters. So if this this whole thing continues, bring out those uh, those lesser known guys. Yeah, Give the fans <laughs> what they want. <laughs> yeah. But uh, moving on to the next story, which is a uh, one big re- uh, review roundup from Nebelian on Twitter once again. He rounds up some of this week's uh, or upcoming games of February. So Super Mario 3D Worlds plus Bowser's Fury, Little Nightmares 2, and Persona 5. So I'm just going to list the the view stores, and then I'll I'll ask you what if you're excited for any of these or shocked by any of the numbers. Yeah. So Super Mario 3D Worlds plus Bowser's Fury got some pretty great review scores. So your gamer says it's recommended. Uh, VGC gave it a 5 out of 5. Nintendo Life gave it a 10. Um, the lowest score that it got was from IGN, a 7. Uh, mm. A lot of people are attacking IGN. 
not realizing that uh, it's two different people. But I understand. I they they love three D world, but just don't threaten people. That's not nice. No. But moving on yeah. to the next story, uh, Little Nightmares Two review scores got another recommended from Eurogamer. Windows Central gave it a five out of five. Game Informer gave it a nine point three. Uh, the lowest score that it got was a four out of five. So people really wow. like this game. <laughs> nice. Um, moving on to Persona Five Strikers, uh, which is something that I'm super excited for. 5 out of 5 from the gamer. Windows Central gave it a 5 out of 5. iGen gave it an 8. The lowest score that it got was from PC Gamer, 63. So mm. a lot of people liked it. PC Gamer, obviously, on the lower end of the spectrum. Mm. But uh, obviously, very popular. What do you think about these uh, numbers? And are you excited for any of these three games listed? Are you planning to play any of them? Yeah, I've heard good things about Little Nightmares, the first one. So... I guess I would need to find out if I need to play the first one before playing two um, in that regard. But uh, my back catalog is ridiculous because I, I don't finish new games anymore. Apparently, I've I've done terrible with that lately. But uh, yeah, and Bowser's Fury, I'm very excited for Super Mario 3D World because uh, I really enjoyed it on wii u and obviously it was a very you know it was trapped on the wii u <laughs> so <laughs> it's great that it's actually coming to a console that people can actually play it now and the new bowser stuff looks really cool even if it's not you know it's not super substantial it's still something cool additional to it um and it actually comes out on my birthday on friday so oh, nice. i might treat Happy myself birthday. yeah nice. <laughs> so, yeah we're not going to disclose the age here uh <laughs> So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm not surprised by the scores. I am shocked by PC Gamer 63 of Persona 5 Strikers, but I understand different people, different tastes. But um, yeah, it's I'm definitely excited for uh, 3D Worlds. Echo everything that you said. I loved it on the Wii U. Mm. Excited to play it again on the Switch. As uh, again, not being trapped on the Wii U anymore. Wider audience will get to play. There's a lot of people who haven't played it. I was shocked by the amount of people that hadn't played that fantastic game yet. But again, not super shocked because not a lot of people had a, had a Wii U. Mm. Um, but Persona 5 Strikers is something that I'm super excited for. Love Persona 5. Um, recently beat it, actually, finally after four years. It's oh, wow. such a long game, but I, I definitely took some time off from it. But it's so fantastic. Love the gameplay. So I'm excited to see more of it. And Little Nightmares, I'm still trying to beat the first one. Um, I don't think you have to play the first one to play number two. That's what I've heard. But there's hmm. definitely some callbacks to the first one that fans will appreciate, of course. Okay. But um, yeah, I don't think you have to beat the first one to to play the second one. Nice. Not not sure. Um, just but yeah, that's just dive yeah. in and see what happens. Yeah, kind of definitely. It's it's definitely a, it's like inside where you don't really know what's going on until deeper into it. So. I don't you may not even get answers. I don't even know. I haven't finished the first one. But right now I, I am like, what is going on? But it's it's still super fun and creepy. Yeah. But uh, still not a lot of answers have have come to fruition yet. So which is which is cool. I like that in horror anyway, yeah. where you don't really know what's going on. But anyways, moving on to the games that we are playing um, right now, I am playing Destiny. Oh. Shocking no one. Wow. That's a surprise. Oh, <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, but the new season came out, so that's why I'm playing Destiny. Uh, the season of The Chosen has released, so there's some new strikes. Well, two old strikes have returned, and a new strike uh, on Nessus is coming later this month. Obviously, there's a new seasonal activity called Battlegrounds, 
which mm-hmm. is lots of fun. I'm enjoying it so far. We'll see how I feel about it in a couple of weeks, but I'm really enjoying it. It's already better than the, the previous season activity, Wrathborn Hunts, in the past season. So mm-hmm. already thumbs up there. Um, but yeah, besides that, they're definitely doing their trickle-down effect where they don't release everything right away, which is a smart move, but obviously it leaves uh, players, hardcore players like myself with less to do right away. But still more to come in the future. So it's it's a win-lose sort of situation. But I'm enjoying my time with Destiny once again. Nice. Um, and that's that's really it. I'm, I'm trying to slowly beat Little Nightmares before before it comes out. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm occupied by Destiny as usual. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Roro, I'm a disappointment to this podcast Uh-oh. because I have played nothing new except for Master <laughs> Chief Collection. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I need to get through my backlog. I have Assassin's Creed that I love, but I haven't gotten back to it, and it's just... <sighs> I just I need understand. to. I need to. It's I frustrating. Uh, it's a busy life. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'll get back to that. And I want to go back to Hitman. I beat Hitman, but I, I want to go back and do some more um, runs of the missions to kind of do them differently because I think it would be fun to do that. Uh, Lana Vines does say in the chat, happy early birthday. And he is dot, dot, dot. Don't you dare reveal this age <laughs> or I will find you, Lana Vines. Uh, <laughs> but it's nice to have some appreciation from work from Lana Vines. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that wraps up the games that we are playing or lack of games that we are playing. We're sticking to what we know here right now yeah. uh, with what we're playing, which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, moving on to the topic of the show. Uh, E3. E3 is is happening. ESA is committed to bringing E3 to us this year. And the, the goat, I guess, of this podcast, Abelian, brings us another story uh, from VGS. He sums it up pretty well here on Twitter. Uh, ESA is planning a digital E3 for 2021. The ESA's intention is to hold multiple two-hour keynote sessions from the game from games partners and awards show. Sorry, let me start that over. The ESA's intention is to hold multiple two-hour keynote sessions from game partners and awards show, a June 14th preview night, and other smaller streams from game publishers, influencers, influencers, and media partners. Uh, Some details from the article. Plans have yet to be approved by ESA members. Jeff Keighley will not be involved again. He's going to do Summer Games Fest once again this year. Pretty cool. Uh, no, no details on how many have signed up yet. Apparently, a six-figure sum is required to join the oh program. My God. Holy moly! Not that the yeah. companies don't have it, but holy moly! <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious! Um, yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think about this news with E3 going digital? How do you see this going? I'm going to be honest. I don't know what they're going to present because the. The key thing is going to be what companies are going to show up to this because you already had, even before COVID, you already had EA having their own event away from E3. They kind of marketed it with E3 a little bit, uh, happening the same weekend, but it doesn't happen at E3. It doesn't happen at the convention center. It's nowhere near there. Uh, You had Sony already pull pull out of E3 the last few years, Um, and... You have Microsoft, who just came off of doing a July event last year that went pretty well and people were pretty happy with. So 
where does this leave the big publishers and the big you know developers in terms of when they want to present their their stuff i think they're starting to learn like we can do this throughout the year and get more coverage because we're not you know we don't have 20 games trying to get all get the same coverage at the same time uh you kind of spread it out throughout the year and you you all get your own you know event so to speak um so i think that's where i think that's where e3 is going to struggle i don't know that but maybe maybe it's not going to be the same thing that we've always uh been excited for and and known was coming every year because I don't know that those big publishers and big game developers are going to show up for the ESA um, to, for an E3 event. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to happen anymore. And yeah, I, man, it's it sucks because E3 is such a big marketing thing. And I'll give you an example, Roro. On my personal uh, YouTube account, I always do my YouTube predictions every year uh, for E3. And last year, with it being the first year that we didn't have E3, I just did general like 2020 predictions. It was not even close to the same viewership that I got. Like every year it was increasing like a lot. Like the last year they had one, 2019, my Microsoft predictions video had like 1,700 views or something like that, which I I was super excited about that. And then 2020... I think I had like maybe a couple hundred and I was like, ah, that's just so, ah, it's just yeah. E3 is such a big name that it carries a lot of weight. So then when you take that away, it, it does um, kind of lose its value, I guess. But I don't know. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't think, you know, it's going to be changed. Yeah, it. I, I am totally with you where E3 it carries so much weight in the industry where you when you see that you fans automatically get excited but at the same time it these like you like you were saying these big publishers don't have to do this anymore with COVID-19 happening uh for the past year they had to do their own thing whether they wanted to or not PlayStation was already doing their own thing Xbox had started to do their own thing as well but other publishers had to start doing their own directs and showcases and and kind of step away from E3 because it, it didn't happen and now that everybody's kind of figured out how to do that and saw that it was successful for them, why pay that six-figure uh, price tag to do it all at the same time, which doesn't help? Yeah, yeah like spreading it out, like you were saying, is is better for everyone. Like if Ubisoft's have a s- certain day, like I understand they, they did have their own separate time slots, but imagine when they're months apart or weeks mm-hmm. apart how they get like a, a designated week to talk about that one thing instead of everybody talking about the, the one big thing that happened at E3. When there's so many things going on, this way, everybody gets their own time to, to shine in the spotlight. And Nintendo has never gone, well, they have gone to E3, but it's been a while, mm-hmm. even before all of this happened. And we haven't gotten a Nintendo Direct, a, a regular Nintendo Direct from them in in over a year, like September fourth, twenty nineteen, I believe, was the last wow. time we got a, a traditional Nintendo Direct. Ever since then, they've been like uh, smaller directs or focused directs, like Pokemon Directs, Animal Crossing Directs, stuff like that. And they're obviously doing just fine with the Switch is doing crazy numbers. Animal Crossing is killing it. Mm-hmm. So these companies really don't need to to do what they're used to doing with their Nintendo Directs uh, or PlayStation now has their state of plays which 
I'm sure they'll continue. But there's a lot of different ways that they can get audience uh, attention in this now digital age. And I totally agree. I don't know who's going to sign up for this, especially when they can do it themselves for for free. And in fact, probably get money (laughs) by asking other people to be on smaller titles and other publishers to to join their thing. So I I don't know who is going to sign up for this. (laughs) Um, I it and again, I agree with you. This is a, a total bummer. Um, because A3 is such a, a fun, it was such a fun time and to yeah. see it slowly, slowly die down is super disappointing. Um, well, do you think, yeah, go ahead. And it almost feels like they're taking the, the reverse approach they should be doing. Like they're charging the six figures or whatever. They should be like saying like, Hey, indie developers come, t- come yeah. to E3 and like, show us what you have. Like we'll, we'll show the most awesome indie stuff and, and get you promoted where otherwise you wouldn't have as much attention. Like, I feel like that would be a perfect spot for them to pull in those indies because yeah, like, like we, like we're saying, like, I don't know that they're going to get those big publishers cause they're just not going to care. They're not going to be like, Hey, we need that. The only the only saving grace about this is that it's digital. They might still get Microsoft just because it's digital. And I know Phil Spencer has traditionally been very uh, traditional in terms of like his support of E3 and the ESA. So it's still possible that we get uh, Microsoft's presence at E3 to fill that slot instead of their like July event that they had last year. But I don't know, man. I just... I don't know. I don't have confidence in uh, in what's going to happen. Yeah, I and as much as I I love indies, I, I love them getting their spotlight and stuff like that. I love what Nintendo does with their indie worlds and and all of that jazz. And I and I believe that indies should get more of a spotlight for sure. Yeah. But if E three was just a lot of indies and a couple of Ubisoft <laughs> announcements or or whatever, that would be even more of a nail in its coffin. Where yeah, like I would love it. But I don't think the general gaming audience who tunes in for E3, oh my God, this is where all the hype news comes out. And then they quote unquote see, oh, what is this pixel game? Like this is this is ridiculous. What is what is all this? What is all this indie garbage? <laughs> Even though I love, I don't think a general E3 gamer watching it will be as impressed as, as I would. And I feel like that would just even more into the ground for, for E3. Somebody like Microsoft, like you're saying, needs to join this this year or else this is going to be like uh, for not i think one of those big three people needs to be there or or ubisoft or bethesda or somebody like that Mm -hmm. with a big name has to show up to e3 for it to to make sense i think yeah agreed do you do you think this is after this year do you think e3 is ever gonna be in person again do you think it'll survive this year and do i think it's gonna be in person again Maybe. Uh, The only reason why I say maybe is because some events, like, for instance, PAX, really depends on that fan interaction. So, like, you have PAX West and PAX East, and they really, they drive home that fan interaction. It's not necessarily that we get big news out of PAX or anything like that. There's often, like, smaller stuff and smaller announcements in there, but... It's mainly like a community event for people to go and see the panels and see all the the costumes and see the people and see the developer and just seeing all the different things that are are so great about the industry. 
I think if E3 takes that approach, they may go back to an in-person thing. But if they go, if they try to go back to in-person and uh, go back to like what they were before without the support of all the big publishers, I think it will fail miserably. Maybe I'm wrong, but <laughs> I, I I just don't see if you don't have that backing of those big publishers with these big games, I don't see like a lot of people being very excited for it. So, yeah, I totally. Totally agree. Um, that is that's kind of it for the the topic that I had in in question. I just I just hope that I'm I'm going to be excited for E3 regardless. Yeah, it's uh, more video game announcements, obviously. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm going to be tuning in no matter what. It's just it's just a bummer to see it slowly, slowly becoming less and less uh, a shell of its former self. I guess you could say. Yeah. Um. But yeah, here's hoping that it's a it's a huge success and E3 comes back swinging and yeah. we'll see it in person uh, next year and <laughs> PlayStation comes back and Nintendo comes back, Microsoft comes back, everybody comes back and none of this uh, was for naught. Hopefully, and maybe they lower the price tag a little bit, you know, yeah. get some indies in there, that'd be nice. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's 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 really all I have to say for the ESA. Anything that you wanted to to add to that? I don't think so. I think that pretty much covers it. All right. Well, moving on to just our last little segment, what we've been working on. Daniel, have you been working on anything new this week? Uh, no. Uh, just last week, I, I I dropped episode two of Daniel Reacts. Uh, so I did it on the Halo Infinite January update. So if you guys want to check that out, you're more than welcome to. It's X DTM three thousand X on YouTube. So. There we go. All right. And for me, I released the first episode of Thank You Games podcast, and we talked about uh, reveal trailers. Ooh. So that was lots of fun. I talked to The Only Rush. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at The Only Rush. But yeah, if you want to find the podcast, just type in R A R. Uh, no, don't type that in. <laughs> type in R A U W R O, row, row. Type that in on YouTube, and you will find my channel. Perfect. And you can watch the podcast there. And you've been quite busy the last week, Roro. You've been on a ton of shows I've been seeing. Yes, I I, I posted the, the podcast video on Twitter. Yeah. And a lot of people wanted to talk about videos, video <laughs> games, apparently. I was not expecting people to 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 want to be on, that many at least. Yeah. And some other people, like Steve Bowling, apparently saw it from uh, previously of game explain now of good vibes gaming and he saw it and he invited me to be on the show i don't know why <laughs> i was more than happy to be on obviously but uh yeah that was super fun so i got to talk to ash and derek so both all three of them worked at game explain at one point yeah. and now are starting their own uh, own thing so that was super fun um but yeah that was and another another channel called save Di save data invited me on to one of their shows called around the monitor which was really fun where basically you talk about the news during the week, but it's like a game show sort of. So yeah. you have to be funny or informative to get points. And by the end of oh. the two rounds, whoever has the most points gets to talk about whatever they want for um, for a minute. And I, I actually won, <laughs> surprisingly. Wow. And I got to talk about Animal Crossing for a little bit. Nice. So that was what I did at Save Data. That was, that was about it. That's yeah. a super interesting idea. It I like is. that. That's cool. cool. 
and and you i also like how you set uh, the other guys straight about perfect dark because i did listen to that <laughs> segment i was like i wonder how they how they took this <laughs> because i saw that was one of the topics so i i scrubbed through it I, I didn't listen to the whole thing. I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> but I, I scrubbed through. I was like, I want to see what they say about this. And then re- you were like, well, actually, this is what I'm like. Yes. <laughs> bro, bro, let's let's yes. go. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah the, the guy who passed away. Yeah. I was surprised yeah. they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't realize. But yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But uh, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Oh, my goodness. What have I done? I, I almost erased everything, including the outro. So <laughs> never mind, it's back. Don't worry. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I almost leave the outro here, but uh, we're all good. All Thank right. you, everyone, for joining us both live on Twitch and on YouTube, as well as podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you for everyone for watching. Uh, you can catch us here on YouTube every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and until next time, later will be greater. Much love. <laughs>